Epod Studios. There is nothing I love more this time of year than turning down the lights and basking in the glow of my fireplace while watching Christmas movies. I am a Christmas movie junkie. We watch a few of them all year long. I love the classics like It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, and the original Christmas Carol featuring Alistair Sims. I love modern Christmas movies like Christmas Vacation and Fred Claus. I swoon over stop-motion animagic movies from the 60s and 70s, including the Rankin and Bass film Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which premiered on network television in 1964. My favorite of the animagic films is The Year Without a Santa Claus. You'll be able to hear me talk about that film later this week with Jeremy on our movie podcast, Educating Jeremy. I enjoy animated movies like Arthur Christmas and Rise of the Guardians. I could go on and on, but I would be remiss if I didn't share the holiday films I love even more than these, and that's Christmas horror movies. No, Christmas horror movies don't have much to do with Philly or Pennsylvania, but they certainly are twisted. In December 2016, I released an episode about some of my favorite Christmas horror films. Probably number one on that list is the 1974 film Black Christmas by Bob Black starring Olivia Hussey. That movie is the end-all be-all of Christmas horror for me, and there are moments when that film is absolutely terrifying in the old-school 70s style without all the gore we often see today. Okay, there's a little bit of gore, but that isn't what makes it so scary. You'll have to go back and listen to episode 19 and then watch Black Christmas. I wonder if Christmas horror films harken back to the Victorian tradition of telling ghost stories on Christmas Eve. Probably not, although I like to think they do. There's just something about what many consider the most wonderful time of year, at least that's what Andy Williams says, and the terror of a monster or a zombie or a serial killer chasing after you through the snow that makes my holidays complete. I know, that's pretty fucking twisted. So many of you have told me how much you enjoy that episode. It's often a repeat listen for so many twisters. Here's what I realized this holiday season. There are very few new-to-me Christmas horror films worth watching. Sure, there have been some new releases in the last two years. Most of those went straight to DVD. Some of them were kind of garbage. I'm not going to subject you to all of the films I suffered through and will likely never watch again. Since that first Twisted Christmas horror movie episode, there have been a few diamonds among the cinematic lumps of coal that made my list of Christmas horror favorites. If you'll indulge me, because it's almost Christmas, I'll share these new Christmas horror picks with you. If you're like me and enjoy a bloody axe or two hidden deep inside Santa's sack, you'll want to check out these films before the clock strikes midnight on Christmas. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this twisted journey. Welcome to a twisted Christmas. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly Podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome, Welcome to, to Twisted, Twisted Philly. Philly.
A month or so ago, Jeremy and I stumbled upon a movie trailer for a film called Anna and the Apocalypse. It was plugged as Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land at Christmas. Now, I haven't seen La La Land. As much as I love musicals on Broadway and musical film, that particular movie, it just didn't catch my eye. But a Christmas musical with zombies. Oh, sweet baby Jesus, someone reached into the dark recesses of my mind and created a movie just for me. Anna and the Apocalypse released on November 30th, and it was nowhere in Philadelphia. I contemplated heading to New York or D.C., which were the closest locations to me, where there was a theater or two running this film. It opened with very limited release, but last week a Philadelphia theater was added. Merry Christmas to me. I got to see Anna and the Apocalypse. T'was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring. Not even a mouse. Young Anna was nestled, all snug in her bed. Not knowing tomorrow, she'd meet the undead. How would she survive? What this season would bring? Well, that's simple. She'd stab, she'd slash, and she'd sing. Justin Bieber's a zombie. First, let me tell you about some of the recognition Anna and the Apocalypse received this year. It was an official selection of the 2018 Popcorn Frights Film Festival, an official scary movie selection of the 2018 Film Society of Lincoln Center, and an official selection of the 2018 Edinburgh International Film Festival. This movie has gotten hella accolades. This is the story of Anna, played by Ella Hunt, a high school senior who has decided, instead of attending university, She'll travel the world after she graduates, at least for a year, much to the chagrin of her father. She and a small group of friends, including her best friend, John. And the emphasis here is on friend, as he is solidly trapped, never to move beyond the friend zone. They are going about their lives with all the typical teenage angst. Unrequited love, breakups with a dick of an ex-boyfriend, rich parents who ditch you for Christmas other best friends who are so sickeningly in love you want to vomit, plus a headmaster at school that is the biggest tool on the planet. What was I thinking? This is Disney Disney. I'm way off script and losing the plot. Things don't work out that way. I'm not McConaughey turning the charm on calling the shots. If this was a movie, maybe she would be willing to share my world. I'm starting to realize sometimes the nice guys don't always get the girl. Cause no one ever tells you when you're young. 
In what I believe is a nod to Shaun of the Dead, the zombie apocalypse begins without even the slightest recognition by Anna or her friend John, played by Malcolm Cumming. In fact, in a musical number, while Anna and John each walk to school, there is pandemonium going on all around them. Zombies chasing their neighbors, cars crashing, cars crashing into one another, people getting their throats ripped out, but neither Anna nor John realize what's happening. They've got their earbuds in, they're singing about all the amazing changes they're going to make in their life while dancing in a cemetery. Suddenly, a guy in a snowman costume drops at their feet, moaning and groaning. Then he gets up and tries to attack them. If you've seen the trailer for this movie, you know Anna decapitates him with a seesaw because apparently there's a playground in this cemetery. As with all good zombies, losing a head doesn't kill this costumed foe. Oh no! His head is moaning and groaning sans his body, and that's when John utters the Z word, zombie. Thus begins the fight for their lives. Anna and John make their way back to the local bowling alley where they both work, where they were actually working the night before on Christmas Eve, while most of the town was at the high school watching a Christmas pageant. Anna and John and two of their other friends hold up at the bowling alley, watching the news online, listening to CDC reports about a plague wiping out the human race all over the world. Knowing that they need to get to the high school to find Anna's dad and other friends, everyone in this movie is really fantastic in their role. Their voices are stellar. Ella Hunt had a role in the ensemble of the 2012 film version of Les Mis, so it's great to see her getting a leading role, and she really has the vocal chops to carry that role. Malcolm Cumming has a great voice. Together, the entire company sounds terrific. But initially, probably the first 20 to 30 minutes or so, the film reminded me of a long-form version of Victorious. That's a Nickelodeon show starring Victoria Justice as Tori Vega that my daughter used to watch incessantly. It's partly because Ella Hunt reminds me so much of Victoria Justice, the way she looks, the way she sounds, and the rest of the cast is a little similar too. Anna's best friend John is a bit nerdy, a bit odd. He's secretly in love with Anna, although everybody really knows it. There's no secret to it whatsoever. He reminds me of Matt Bennett, who played Robbie on Victorious, one of Tori's friends. Ariana Grande, who played... The ditzy, crazy friend on Victorious with an amazing voice is so much like Anna's friend Lisa, played by Marley Slough. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't love this movie. I loved the music and the musical numbers. A lot of the music had an 80s vibe to it, especially the song Soldier at War, performed by Ben Wiggins, who plays Nick, Anna's sort of ex-boyfriend, who is a total dick, but you can tell they're still kind of into each other. That kid had a breakaway performance, at least for me, musically. It's called Soldier at War, and it's about his prowess killing zombies, especially Christmas zombies, while Anna and her other friends, at least up until that point, run and hide. Are they uh, excited? Why don't you get 
made possible that plan. The streets of chaos and the outlook is dire. Time for a hero to step into the fire. The world's a jungle and we're close to extinction. This is my moment and I'll fight with distinction. We want to stay focused, keep your concentration. Rules to have fun and use your imagination. No time for weakness when the undead waiting. So look, get out there and start decapitating. When it comes to killing zombies, I'm the top of my class. Why you been hiding? I've been kicking some ass. I know the best for my defense is attack. I know what I'm fighting for. I'm a soldier boy. Ben Wiggins' voice is absolutely brilliant, and his range is incredible. Once Anna and her kindler, gentler friends team up with Nick, the movie really picks up speed, and it's all about survival. Surviving long enough to get to the school, to find their loved ones, to save their loved ones, and get the hell out of town. By the way, Merry Christmas, because all this shit goes down on Christmas Day. The trailer would have you believe this is a comedy. And yes, it has lots of very funny moments. But this is also a heavy film. The relationship between Anna and her dad, especially because her mom passed away, Anna's friend Steph is an American teen. Her family moved her across the world and then left her on Christmas so they could go to Mexico. Anna's ex, Nick, who for most of the movie seems like a total douchebag. He's the guy that throws food at other kids in the lunchroom. But he's got a lot more depth than you realize. And then there's some George R.R. Martin shit happening in this movie. So bring a box of tissues because I cried a bunch of times. I'd tell you to get out and see this movie, but that is not easy to do. If you go to the website aatafilm.com, then click get tickets, you can see the cities where the movie is running. More cities were added this week, like Philadelphia. If you're in L.A., you're golden. It's running at a few different theaters and a few spots in Northern California. The film is in Boston. It's also in Brooklyn. So, Margot D., if you're listening, you and Aaron should go see this. Then you can talk about it on your podcast. It's playing in the D.C. area, a few locations in Texas, Chicago, Boulder, and Denver. But if you're not in a major city, you're going to have to wait until it expands beyond this limited AMC theater release. If you're in Philly and you want to catch Anna and the Apocalypse, it's playing at the AMC Broad Street 7 Theater at 1600 Broad Street in North Philly. If you've never been there before, it's a great theater. The seats are amazing. They're recliners. Mine seem to be moving on its own. Not really sure why, but it was a really great place to see this movie. They've also got a merchandise site, and I almost bought this really cool shirt that says Anna and the Apocalypse World Tour. And on the back, it has a list of cities. But guess which city isn't on the list? Philly. So no shirt for me. But I am eyeing up Anna's incredible candy cane tumbler because that's her weapon of choice throughout most of the movie. A giant candy cane lawn decoration that has a pointed spike at the end. Its practical purpose is to keep it in the ground outside your home over the holidays. But that spike is terrific for killing zombies. The next Christmas horror movie was called Home Alone Meets the Strangers by Ain't It Cool News. As twisted as that description sounds, it doesn't do this film justice. 
Imagine if Kevin McAllister was a little older and suffered from narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial disorder, and probably a dose of psychopathy. Throw in a lot of tinsel and twinkle lights, some new fallen snow, and you've got better watch out. Want to put her in the mood? Watch your horror movie. Do. She's like twice our age. I really don't think it's going to happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? What the fuck? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's someone there. I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> This film is an official selection of the Fantastic Fest in 2016 and a Fantasia official selection in 2017. I found it last November on demand. I watched the trailer, and as if I didn't already know I was going to watch this film. The trailer is insane. It's crazy and fast and Christmassy and filled with fear and punk rock Christmas music. Immediately, you know something bad is going down right before Christmas. Then I realized the kids from The Visit are in Better Watch Out. Olivia Dijon, who is talented and gorgeous. Ed Oxenberg, who played her little brother in The Visit. He's so funny and witty. He's got great comic timing. Both these kids are Australian. You'd never know it. They deliver flawless American accents. Done. I'm hooked. Take my money. I should have bought it the first time I watched it, but I didn't. So I paid for a rental and then I paid to buy it because it is that freaking good. Okay, here's the story. Ashley, played by Olivia Dijon, is a beautiful teenage neighbor of 12-year-old Luke, played by Levi Miller. Luke is a charming young man. He seems to be the sort of kid who wears sweater vests to school, but people find it dashing. He probably gets good grades. He is the apple of his mother's eye. He is the teacher's pet, yet everybody loves him and he can seldom do any wrong. Luke's parents, who are well-known in cameo roles, Virginia Madsen, and Patrick Warburton, hire Ashley to babysit Luke while they head out to a Christmas party. Ashley's babysat for Luke before, and he's got a little bit of a crush on her. He seems to think Christmas is the perfect time to make his move. 
His best friend Garrett, Ed Oxenberg, thinks this is a lousy plan. There's no way this girl is going to be interested in him. But Luke thinks he's got everything figured out. Shortly after Ashley arrives, we realize she's broken up with her boyfriend. So the night just got even better for young Luke. What does a young teenage boy do when he's trying to impress his babysitter? He puts on a horror movie and sneaks his parents' alcohol. The horror movie was a good choice, but the alcohol, bad idea. Ashley is not about to let this kid get drunk. While they're watching the movie, Ashley and Luke hear a noise. Someone is outside. Then there's a crash. A window breaks. Somebody threw a brick through their window with a message that reads, you leave and you die. Ashley and Luke flee to the second floor, then to the attic. They know someone is in the house. They see the intruder. He's wearing black from head to toe. His face is covered. In one hand, he carries a weapon. And with his other hand, he reaches up and scratches his shoulder. Just like Garrett repeatedly did before he left Luke's house earlier that night. The entire thing was a setup. Luke was dumb enough to think 18-year-old Ashley would see him as more than a little kid if he defended her from an intruder. And she is pissed. People could have gotten hurt. That's your mask. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ash, no! Garrett! Take that mask off! What? Is this a fucking joke? I... We were gonna scare you. Yeah, well, you did! You scared the shit out of me! Why? Why? Why would you do that? I was gonna go save you, but dipshit here. Luke, your friend is holding a real gun! This is serious! How could you do that? Because you treat me like a child. And what, you were gonna show me how much of a man you were by rescuing me from fake armed robbers? You are a child! I almost broke my neck! What delusional infant thinks that staging a break-in is gonna get you to second base? Your mental... You're a selfish brat with no consideration you need therapy. Lots of it. Luke, you are in so much trouble. I'm calling your parents. If you think I just spoiled the movie, I absolutely did not because that takes place in the first 10, maybe 15 minutes of the film. Whatever you think this movie is about, guess again. Because everything flips on a dime. And I can't tell you what happens or I will absolutely spoil the movie. It is impossible to tell you more than I've already shared. Other than maybe say that the movie title Home Alone becomes a verb. I can also say this needs to be on your list of Christmas movies. It is that fucking good. The crazy thing is the first time I watched this film last year, after about 15 minutes into the movie, my daughter, who does not like anything scary, I think that gene skipped a generation. She walked into the living room and asked me, what you watching? And I said, uh, it's a scary movie, but it's got the kids from The Visit in it. Now, The Visit is a movie she really likes. So hearing they were in Better Watch Out, she sat down and watched the entire movie with me and loved it. That was the first and only time she's ever watched a Christmas horror movie. She says it's not horror because there's no monsters or ghosts. I don't know. She's got all these weird rules. We've watched it together multiple times in the last year, not just around Christmas. Jeremy watched it with me last week. He loved it. It shocked the shit out of him, just as it did me the first time I watched it, and as it will you the first time you watch Better Watch Out. These two films have made my list of Christmas horror favorites, and I'd like to share an honorable mention with you. 
which is an anthology of eight short films called Holidays. Holidays premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2016. One of the shorts is directed by one of my favorite directors, Kevin Smith. Each of the short films is about a different holiday. I'll go in chronological order. We've got New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, Mother and Father's Day, Halloween, and Christmas. Halloween is directed by Kevin Smith, and you absolutely feel him all over it. I think Father's Day is the scariest of all the short films. It's not gory or graphic. There are no monsters. It is paranormal and hauntingly strange. It's so good. Easter is another good one. Very scary. Very creepy. Christmas, directed by Scott Stewart, who directed Legion, Priest, and Dark Skies, stars Seth Green. Yes, our beloved Oz from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He is playing a father up against a time crunch to get his son the most popular gift that year for Christmas. Of course, no matter how hard he tries, he's thwarted, and it's Christmas Eve, so he is running out of time. There is real darkness in this Christmas vignette. Imagine if the movie Jingle All the Way had a baby with the TV series Black Mirror. Green's character makes a horrible decision in an effort to be his son's hero for Christmas. Something so simple as the latest gadget on a kid's Christmas list can turn someone into a person they don't recognize. But really, that person was inside them all along. I would definitely check out more than just the Christmas short and holidays. I did not enjoy Mother's Day. While I liked part of St. Patrick's Day, the end was just so flipping weird, like bad weird. Almost, did you forget the story you were writing? There are many familiar faces throughout all of these stories besides Seth Green, including Kevin Smith's daughter Harley Quinn in his short film for Halloween. If you'd like to hear more of my recommendations for Christmas horror, tune into episode 19. You'll hear all about Black Christmas from 1974. Do yourself a favor, do not watch the 2006 remake. I've also included Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's an 80s Christmas horror classic. Yes, there were multiple sequels. Don't bother watching them. There are some newer films like the 2015 film Krampus starring Tony Collette and Adam Scott and a Christmas horror story, which features different stories that weave together like a terrifying Christmas quilt. That movie is fantastic. There is an epic battle scene between Santa and Krampus that is the absolute highlight of the film. I've also got a couple other 80s gems in there too. Thank you for joining me on this twisted little Christmas bonus episode. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Twisted Philly or on Twitter at Twisted underscore Philly. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.